Welcome to In Early, the crypto podcast, where I speak to those at the forefront of the digital asset space, telling real life stories, discussing the growth and growing pains of the industry, and exploring how blockchain technology has made an impact on people's lives. My name is Matt Green, and I'm the blockchain litigation lead at Shoesmiths. In this episode, I talk to Ryan Winchester, the founder of the Goofy Gopher Mining Club, an NFT project that mines multiple coins using a variety of ASIC miners and is designed to make mining more accessible to the public. We speak about best use cases for NFTs, fractional mining, and why he's chosen Cardano, as well as about the Goofy Gophers, how he's building trust with buyers in a world of NFT rug pulls and scams, and why he's chosen a 90s game nostalgia interface and fantasy lore to market his mining project, recognizing the future of gaming and rejection of the corporate look. I hope you enjoy. So thanks, Ryan. Morning. Thanks for joining us. I think it's 5 a.m. in the morning where you are. Is that right? In New York? <laughs> yes, yeah, it is an early one for me, for sure. Yeah, thanks for joining us at this time. And I understand you are an Englishman in New York. I am, yes, yeah. I moved here about two years ago, loving it so far. East Coast, there's so much to do. New York's right here, then there's DC, Boston, it's a lot of fun. But unfortunately, yeah. there's a five-hour time difference for things like this, but yeah, it's good. Well, thanks for making the time because, yeah, it's 10 in the morning here at 5 a.m., so I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining. Um, Let's just start it off. I want to know a little bit more about you and your background, what you do outside of the project. How did you get into the world of blockchain and crypto? Yeah, definitely. So firstly, thanks a lot for having me. It's really nice to be on. Uh, I remember when you started this podcast, really, really interesting one. It's really professional because we do a lot of interviews, but normally it's like Twitter spaces. So it's nice to have a more professional approach sometimes. We'll see how it turns out, but thank you. <laughs> So yeah, so my background and how I got into crypto. So I've always been very into tech. Um, even in school, I was always doing like building websites and things. Um, and then I really like maths as well. So when I went to university at 18, I had literally no idea what to study. So, and I get, I, I don't know, I just, I had no inkling for like exactly what I should do. It's so hard to decide at 18. So my maths teacher said, study robotics because it's going to be the future and it's going to be really interesting uh so i go there and i'm doing robotics for a year what university was it um bristol university of west england uh, okay yeah nice yeah so i am from cambridge so it was quite a move like three hours down south but yeah it's loved it there um, but yeah, so 80% of robotics is electronics. So already I'd heard of crypto mining really before I even knew what crypto was, um, because crypto miners are quite a big innovation in electronics, uh, especially ASICs, application specific integrated circus, uh, circuits. They're very powerful purpose built machines. So that was interesting from the start. Um, but then in my first year, as kind of a side hustle, what started off as a side hustle, I started doing Amazon FBA. So it was a very simple business model. We'd get products made in China, shipped to the US and UK, and then sold them for a profit. Um, and I learned more doing that than I did in five years at university, because you're doing everything. <laughs> so just, just for those who don't know, Ryan, FBA, what's yeah. that? That's fulfilled by Amazon. So all I had to do was communicate with the suppliers in China, get the product made to the specification. And then once it gets shipped to England, it gets shipped straight to an Amazon warehouse and then Amazon distribute it. So it's not like I had thousands of like plant pots in my garage or something. Is that where you were selling plant pots? That's one of the things, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was doing that alongside university and I realized I actually really like the finance side of it and the business, learning about all that stuff. So I actually swapped my degree to finance from robotics. Um, I wanted to do something that was mixed, but there really wasn't any option for like financial engineering or anything like that. Um, so now I'm in finance. Um, and I'm getting quite into investing now because I didn't, I was making profits at that age and I didn't want to put it all back into Amazon. I wanted to diversify a bit. So I put yeah, something like Tesla, Facebook at the time, which is now Meta, mm. but I didn't actually know what I was doing. So I joined the investing society and this was one of my university's biggest societies It had, I think, 300 people at the peak. Um, but it was really good, met some great people and how it works. 
when you join in September of the so now I'm in my second year uh, you do a three-month trading competition so all the new members they give you ten thousand dollars not real by the way uh, I was going to say that's that's a great start just ten thousand dollars off you go amazing <laughs> um, and yeah there's there's not really any rules you can trade you can day trade uh, you can do longer plays and it can be anything gold uh, stocks, bonds, and I was the only one, and bear in mind this was like 2016 or 2015, um, I was the only one that bought crypto because I had one friend that was really, really into Bitcoin, and this was a different time. Bitcoin and crypto was like spoken in hushed tones around the internet. People thought it was like internet drug money, so no one really touched it, but uh, I put like most of the 10,000 into Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ripple at the time, and my portfolio at the end of the three months was up triple the next best because it was nice. crazy. In, in 2015, it was like crypto could go up 20% in a day sometimes. It still does sometimes now. It's super volatile. Um, but now... It went up 9%. Bitcoin went up 9%, you know, the other day or something. So it's, it still happens to some extent, but yeah. It does. And it also goes down a lot. I mean, it's like a third of <laughs> the all-time high, unfortunately. Um, but from there, I was hooked. I really saw the power of crypto, uh, both from the finance side and then also from the technical side through the mining from my electronic studies. Um, so I, I, I like both. I like the actual underlying blockchain and the financial impact of it. So I was hooked from there. Um, and then it was great. I was in the society for four years. Um, and just to see the adoption for crypto inside the society get so much bigger. When I first joined, no one was talking about it. At the end, yeah. that's the reason people were joining the society. Um, so after that uh, trading competition, they banned crypto from all competitions. They said it was unfair. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then they made me head of crypto, which was like a new role in the society. Uh, and this was scary because bear in mind, I'd only heard of it like a few months before. And now they wanted me to research all these different altcoins, give presentations to a lot of people about it. Uh, but I learned really, really quickly because of that. I was really thrown in and it was a really great learning experience. Um, so from there, I've always been into crypto. Then more recently, NFTs, one of the first big use cases of crypto has been amazing to see. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where Goofy Gophers started. Um, I The first NFTs that I got into were on Ethereum, and most NFTs are. Yeah. Um, but very few, especially at the beginning, had any kind of utility. It would just be like a picture of an ape. You buy it, you're done, you hope it goes up. But then increasingly, I saw these NFT projects that actually do something, like it gives the holder a benefit. Um, the first example I can think of is Ghost Chain, uh, which is a Cardano NFT project, actually, and one that I'm now partnered with on their marketplace. But they release an NFT project, 10,000 ghosts, and then they are going to use, and they have done this now, they're going to use that revenue from selling the ghosts to build a Cardano NFT marketplace. And if you hold the ghost, you get to experience any potential rewards from their trading fees. Right. So it's, 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 a, it's a token that allows access to certain things and potentially a profit and, and many other, I suppose, benefits so rather than just, I mean, I remember a friend of mine bought an NFT when this all started and it was a, a mini sort of gif, very basic video of a whale blowing some, some air out of it, you know, uh, blowhole. And that was about it. And he was, he was very excited, but it's good that it's moved on. And I, I want to come to sort of what Goofy Gophers is about and what the NFT, um, how you use NFTs in that project in a minute. Um, but I think it's, it's let's start at the top with, with, with Goofy Gophers. And thanks for all of that background, because that is interesting that you sort of got robotics and then finance, and now you're sort of in the middle, but more finance. But so in very, very simple terms, what is the Goofy Gophers project and what problem does it seek to resolve? Okay, yeah, that's a good question. So Goofy Gophers is an NFT project. Uh, the count is 8888 Gophers, all different types. Uh, and the fundamental idea behind it is to make cryptocurrency mining accessible because in the early days of Bitcoin, 
And if you read the white paper, it's supposed to be very decentralized. Anyone should be able to run an algorithm on their computer and mine Bitcoin. But now that Bitcoin's gotten so big, but mining is dominated by big governments and big companies. They have like whole percents of the amount of Bitcoin mined every day. So what that means, um, and this is because it, how, how the algorithm works, if there's 100 people mining, you will get the same amount of Bitcoin. If there's a million people mining, you will get a much smaller amount. So the more miners, the less everyone gets. So now, the only way to mine profitably is to buy an ASIC, an application-specific integrated circuit. Um, so as I was saying before, these are big computers, purpose-built, and the only thing they can do is mine one coin. So you have certain ASICs for Bitcoin, Gadena, right. Litecoin, Douge, any proof-of-work algorithm. Um, but it's very inaccessible. So in the bull market, if you wanted to buy an ASIC, it's about $40,000. Now they're about 10000 which is still very, very difficult for a normal person. Yes. Where do you even buy them? Um, they're all made in China by a company called Bitmain. At least most of them are. There's one in the in the US. And um, could you import yeah. them via your FBA system for us from from those years ago? Yeah, exactly. It's actually like a <laughs> skill set. Full <laughs> circle. Circles. Yeah. So yeah, you have to just, think about the importing and everything as well. Absolutely. And just just for the listeners who who may not know, when you say mining, as far as I'm aware, what happens is is to certify the transactions on say the the Bitcoin blockchain, you have to have computational mass, which proves that uh, things are uh, the state that they are, that all the transactions have happened. And the idea is that you get a reward for certifying those transactions, um, and that is mining. Is, th is that your understanding of how it works? And maybe you've, you've got a far simpler way to, to describe it than I do. No, yeah, that is a really good explanation, Matt. So there's two types of blockchain. The first, like Bitcoin, was proof of work. Uh, and that's what mining is. And the other is proof of stake, where you verify transactions and secure the blockchain by staking the token itself. But proof of work like Bitcoin is where you dedicate some of your computational power. So basically you use a computer, a powerful computer to run the Bitcoin algorithm. By running that, as you said, you're securing the network, verifying transactions. And for that work, you get Bitcoin as a reward. When you say staking then, because I guess this is fundamental to, to Goofy Gophers and, and, and a lot of the sort of stage two and beyond type crypto assets, talking about ETH, et cetera. What is proof of stake? Because essentially, and again, to my mind, um, you have an asset, you essentially stake it or you put it up as collateral so that you can uh, then certify, I suppose, the blockchain in that respect. But instead of having a system whereby you certify all the transactions, you're putting almost like a, yeah, a collateral bet on. So you have to have assets in the first place. What's your understanding or how would you explain staking? Yeah, yeah, exactly like you just said. So you forego some of the crypto. So Cardano, for example, or now ETH just moved to proof of stake. So if you wanted to stake Ethereum, you would have to buy Ethereum and then sort of forego that and then you get interest for that, for that collateral. Um, and it's it's much more technically challenging because you have to set up a staking pool, uh, which yeah. someone else has to do. Then you connect to theirs and it functions a lot like mining, but without having to do that computational work. So mining in, 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 in summary then for your um, proof of work and proof of stake, I guess is a way to create or have a reward for new coins. So it's not transferring from a third party, it's sort of brand new coins. Yeah, you're actually getting the new coins because uh, that's how crypto works. Usually every 10 minutes, there's a new coin created and you get a share of that. Um, so the, the profit of mining, by the way, depends on four things. And this is the massive benefit of having a big community like ours. So there's, there's the difficulty rate, which is a measure of how many other people are mining. So obviously we can't control that, but it's like game theory. If Bitcoin was 60K right now, there'd be a lot more people mining. Whereas in this bear market, there's less people mining. 
um, because a lot get a lot get costed out because the electricity is too much, which then means yeah. we're mining more in the bear market, waiting for that bull run. Uh, the other thing is the price of the coin, which obviously we have no control over. But the ethos with mining is to mine as much as you possibly can in the bear market, waiting for that bull run. Because if you don't sell till Bitcoin's say 60k, it's like you are mining at 60k all the time. Uh, and then the two factors. Right. The two factors we can control are one, the price of the machine. So if I just wanted to buy one, as I said, it would be $10,000. But because we're going to be buying about 100 machines, now we've got scale. So the price per machine comes way down because suppliers like that. They like that we're buying a lot at once. Um, and then similarly, the price of electricity. So we're about half the residential rate. And I know in the UK, it's crazy at the moment. It's gone up like 5x. But we're getting eight cents a kilowatt hour in Iowa, uh, the Midwest of America, which is like the most reliable, cheap energy. Um, we visited all sorts of farms in many different countries. Uh, and this was a really, really good one. And they've been amazing so far. They've, we've already got some miners turned on. Uh, we have a full interview with them on our YouTube channel. You'll have to send me a link to that if that's helpful. And then people can 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 listen to that or watch that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but to go back to your original question, uh, what is the Goofy Gophers project? We're trying to get rid of all the barriers that exist to get into crypto mining to make it truly decentralized and truly accessible for anyone. So if I wanted to buy it today, it's not only that huge cost of a $10,000 miner, but it's very difficult mm -hmm. to set it up and maintain it. You need to know about networking. Um, you need you need a lot of know-how that very few people have. Uh, you also need the space to store it. It's very, very loud. You need to generate mm. the power for it. Ideally, you want to do that sustainably. Uh, and you need to cool the machines. If you have even one, you need to cool it. But if you have a lot, it's very, very difficult to cool. Um, so yeah, we're using, in a nutshell, the revenue from our gopher sale to buy these state-of-the-art machines, these ASICs, which are the best miners you can get in the world. Uh, and then by owning a gopher, you get to eventually experience that upside from the mining. I guess it's a way for individuals to, to some extent, gain participation, equity, whatever the phrase you may use into a, is it a mining pool? Yeah, yeah. So we're connected to a mining pool. Uh, but the good thing is, it's not like we're just buying, uh, we're just buying part of a, a miner or whatever. These are real miners that we're buying with the mint revenue. So it's almost like a fractionalized miner, uh, but without any of the headaches. So you just, instead of buying these clunky, expensive machines, you just buy a $100 gopher and then you get access to all of it. It's a very easy vehicle to get exposed to the mining. And I suppose we're going to come on to a little bit more detail um, later on, but the gophers are essentially NFTs that you can buy to gain access. And then we'll talk a little bit about more, uh, sorry, we'll talk more uh, a little later about what they do, who they are, some of the law and how you've, you've, you've sort of marketed it. But that's essentially it. It's a gopher is your access and you, you pay for access via buying a gopher. Yeah, exactly. And another big problem with mining that we're solving, probably the biggest problem out there is it's not good for the environment. You, all this computational power, there's a huge amount of electricity that goes into mining, uh, not just Bitcoin, but also Litecoin, Douge, Kadena, all these coins. So it was very important for us from the start to try and be sustainable. And it's very difficult to do because the technology isn't really there yet. But our farm in Iowa uh, that we're partnered with uses 90% wind and solar energy, which is a massive win-win for us because it's much cheaper and it's renewable. So it's much better for the planet. And we don't have to compromise on machine downtime because if it does go out, we've still got that 10% on the grid. I suppose you figured out a partnership whereby um, your partner has all the tech and you are, I suppose, buying or at least um, leasing to some extent the tech from them and at the same time providing a means for which people can mine. So it's sort of a one-stop shop for your ability to just get involved in mining. Essentially, Ryan, you've figured it all out, right? You buy a gopher and then everything, all the infrastructure is there. 
Exactly. Yeah, we've done all the heavy lifting. It's been a long time in the making as well. This it wasn't just made like a month ago. We've been doing this for a year now. So we've been networking with all the miners, all the electricity companies, uh, all the machine sellers. We've been doing a lot of research, uh, which is how I met you originally as well, Matt. Um, we've yeah. done some legal consultation with different firms. Uh, so, yeah, it hasn't just been thrown together. It's been a, a long process. No, I, I completely understand. It, it takes a while. And to be honest with you, there's people I know in this industry who are doing really well, but you obviously don't see uh, all the hard work that they've done over the years. You know, they've been in, involved in this for a long time. Um, so I guess this is just another one of those um, cases. I appreciate, um, Ryan, that I sent you a list of about 12 rough questions. And then I've realized I haven't done it in the best order that I should have done. So apologies, but I'm going to jump around a little bit if that's all right. Yeah, no problem. So... If I want to join Goofy Gophers, if I want to buy a gopher, what does the user experience look like? How do the gophers come in? What does it look like? Yeah, okay. So it's all on Cardano. Because uh, it's on Cardano, that's the vehicle to access. So first of all, you need a Cardano wallet. Very easy to set up. Um, I recommend a wallet called Nami. So you just make an account with them, Chrome extension. Uh, you would buy your Cardano on, let's say, Coinbase. So you just set up an account there, convert your pounds, I guess, <laughs> to Cardano. You then send that Cardano to the wallet, uh, and now everything's set up. So we have 8,888 gophers to sell. Uh, we've had our pre-sale in October, which sold out within two hours, which had a really, really high demand. So we're doing our main sale within the next couple of months. So it's going to be the remaining 7888. Um, and yeah, so it's going to be three phases in the main sale. The earlier you get in, the earlier the phase, the cheaper the price slightly just to reward people that are getting in early. Um, we're also minting directly through a marketplace, which is way better for user experience. So if you see some of the early NFTs, they would effectively make their own website and then have the mint, which is the sale of the NFT through the website. That's very dangerous because now every single big mint, there's scammers that can duplicate the website very easily. But because right. we're on quite a sophisticated marketplace called Flipper, it's very hard to scam. Um, it's much more reliable. It can handle volume. Um, and yeah, it's it's just much more trustworthy. You can see that it's the right thing. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a very good user experience. Won't go down or anything. No stresses like that. You go onto Flipper and then I guess you can just buy one in the way that you could go on any NFT marketplace and, and simply just buy an NFT using whatever it is, ETH, Cardano, whatever it may be. It's as simple as that. Yeah, well, it's, it's a bit different because we've had our pre-sale with the first 1000 So we sold them for $60. Now the most common are trading at about $300. So you can buy on secondary right now. But if you want to mint the gopher, so actually buy it from us, uh, you have to take part in the main sale. So that will all be through our Discord and Twitter. And we'll have a link that then takes you to a special page in Flipper where you can complete the transaction. Okay. Now, that makes a lot of sense, I think. Um, I just want to go back slightly because I'm aware that people um, who listen to this, and I hope there are people who listen to this, may not know what Cardano is. So from my understanding, and I, I sort of read this in a Forbes article the other day, who I don't know whether this is clumsy or whether this is quite a, a good analogy, but they said Bitcoin was sort of step one. Then there was a little bit more utility in ETH with step two. And Cardano is sort of the, it wants to be, I think it quoted the internet of blockchain, whatever that is supposed to mean. So it's sort of the next level up of utility. Is that why you've chosen it? What is Cardano? Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love Cardano. So yeah, it's a layer one solution founded by Charles Hoskinson, who was actually a co-founder on Ethereum. It's now a competitor to Ethereum, uh, but I think it has much, much better technology. It's much more lightweight. So Ethereum recently moved to proof of stake, but Cardano was actually built for proof of stake. So it's purpose built. It's kind of like a car. Someone told me this analogy once. It's like Cardano is an electric car, whereas Ethereum was changed to an electric car. So it's like uh, it's going to have a lot more teething issues. Uh, Cardano is the eighth biggest coin by market cap, but it's growing fast. 
Um, I saw some statistic, don't quote me on this, but it was like the most, it's had the most increase in developers over the last year. Um, but yeah, so transactions are very, very quick. The fees are negligible. They're so small, like usually a few cents. Uh, and efficiency wise, it's a transaction is the same as sending a tweet, which is incredible. It's very green. Um, but yeah, the reason I chose Cardano for NFTs as well is this is not my first project. Um, I had another one, I won't say the name, but it was in the very early days of NFTs. Um, and it was all through OpenSea on Polygon, which is a side chain of ETH. Uh, and it was just pictures of lots of hearts. And then we gave some of the revenue to the British Heart Foundation as a donation. Oh, really so nice. Yeah, yeah, it was good. That's where I learned lots about NFTs by actually doing it. Um, but this has been a much bigger project with way more marketing and everything. Um, but Polygon was very difficult because it's so saturated that any everything's already being done and it's very difficult to build a community. Whereas on Cardano, it's less mature than these other chains. So there's a lot of really, really innovative people in Cardano. Um, and there's no tribalism. Everyone's actually trying to help each other. There's lots of collaboration between projects. So, for mm. example, when we first started marketing, we did a big Cardano quiz with a big prize. And we got about 15 of the biggest projects to support us uh, and share it on their social media, which really, really helped us grow. And I don't think that would happen on other chains. Um, right. so, yeah. so there's room to grow in the community. Is that right? That's why you've chosen it, because there's, I suppose, some of them some of the other uh, uh, tokens or some of the other networks may well be saturated already, but Cardano, in your opinion, I suppose there's room to grow um, and you're part of that story. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And I'm thinking about the long term as well. I think Cardano really is going to be one of the top coins, if not the top coin long term. It's really, really scalable. Um, but also from being someone that buys NFTs as well, I remember once my first NFT actually, uh, if you've seen The Social Network, that was directed by, well, the book was written by Ben Mesrick. He released his own NFT collection where he was going to make a Hollywood movie. And if you own the NFT, you get a share in that movie. So I thought that was really cool, but he did it on Ethereum. So the NFT was supposed to be $80, but then after gas fees, it was like $200. And it was really slow. It took ages to go through. It was horrible. Whereas Cardano, it's instant and there's essentially no gas fees. Try and find a director who's going to do it on Cardano and take take some fees as well. Yeah, exactly. I was actually at Cardano NFT Con, which was incredible. Yeah. I met Charles Hoskinson, the founder, and there were nice. so many projects doing incredible things. I think there were some ones directing movies and things. Well, it's a great way to, um, to to monetize. I mean, it creates equity out of um, assets that hold intellectual property. And I guess that you are, you're sort of eking out, um, yeah, fund profitability, equity, whatever it is from, from these projects, which is great. I think I want to turn back a little bit to, to Goofy Gophers now because I've bought one. Let's say, for example, I, I've bought one. I have, I, I sort of, I'm storing it, I guess, in my wallet. How does it work then? What what benefit do I see? You were talking about mining, fractional mining. So where do I get my profit from? What happens next? Okay, yeah, uh, good question. So you own a gopher. And by the way, when you buy a gopher, it's random which one you get. It's a bit like opening a Pokemon card. You can get a really rare one, uh, which I think we'll talk about the types later. Um, but yeah, so once we have that mint revenue, once we sell out, we're going to buy about 100 miners and now we have mining revenue coming in and we've already got five from the pre-sale on right now hashing right now um for the first these six are the months, asic machines right yeah the asic machines for yeah. the first six months of us buying that batch of miners all of the profit goes on buying more miners so that's just going to dramatically increase our machine count and it will make payouts bigger over the long term um, so it depends on market conditions how much it's going to grow our count but we think it's going to be about 25 percent which is huge um, we've already compounded as well so we bought five litecoin miners from the pre-sale in october uh, and we're mm. about to buy our sixth from the mining profit so then after that six month period 40% of it is going to go into a pool. Um, and if holders want to access and experience uh, the mining income, they need to go onto our website 
and then there'll be a button that says stake and now your gopher is staked and you'll get their mining rewards per day calculated automatically and every quarter you'll be airdropped the potential rewards so it's almost i suppose it's a gamble that's what it is you're essentially putting money in you're buying oh, i suppose say for instance i'm the gopher owner I, I give you some money you go and buy machines with it and then i'm hoping that given uh the way that you're mining or or i guess um the the success of the mining that you'll then be able to buy more uh, more asic machines uh, continue mining and then hopefully um turn a profit and then i as a gopher owner have access to those profits uh, yes, exactly. And you can read our mine paper on the website that goes into all the details. On our YouTube channel, we also have a profitability video. So it's not a projection, but it tells you how to think about mining profitability. And then it gives some different scenarios. So if crypto halves overnight, we're actually still profitable. So because of our economies of scale with the big community buying miners in bulk like this and our relationship with our hosting farm where we send the miners, if anyone's going to be profitable with mining, it's us. And then, as I said, the ethos with mining is all about mining as many coins you can and then holding it until the bull run. Um, and so we have been very profitable even in this bear market. So we've had five miners on for two months and we've mined a net of eight thousand dollars. And I suppose you don't have to give this away because maybe that's sort of your trade secret. But how are you beating other miners at, I suppose, getting the computations before them or getting that reward? Because there's only there's only one reward every, say, 10 minutes or whatever the blockchain is, whatever the protocol is. But there's only one person really who gets the rewards. How are you doing this so successfully? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, because there's two ways to mine. You can self mine. Uh, which is what you're referring to there, which let's say we have five miners. We only get paid if we're the one that solves the algorithm, which is luck. But how uh, most people mine is you connect to a pool. So now there's a huge amount of miners. So you're always getting a share of the reward and then it's fractionalized so that you can guarantee I'm going to make this much per 10 minutes. So talk to me about fractional, uh, fractional mining. We have that on the list of things to talk about. What does it mean? How does it interact with Goofy Gophers? Um, talk me through it. So yeah, fractional mining. So rather than buying these $10,000 machines, you just buy the 100 or so dollar gopher, and then essentially you have a fraction of a miner because you're gonna be experiencing the rewards from that real miner. And the good thing is, A, it's sustainable. B, you have none of the headaches. And C, if you were to buy a miner, you'd probably only be mining Bitcoin, whereas we have four different types of miner, all very, very efficient, very, very good machines. Uh, so we're using XPs for Bitcoin, which are like uh, 40 terahash. We're going to be mining Kadena as well, and then Litecoin and Doge. So even though it's only $120 for the NFT, you're getting diversification through mining, which has never been done before. So is the idea then to show people in the future that your past work has been successful and then what, I guess, take investment? Is, is it sort of a case whereby people are going to look at past performance to determine a valuation? Like what, is you going to turn this into a, a private company and then sell? I mean, what, what, what's the vision? Oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely not going to sell. But it's very, very scalable, Matt, because... Mm -hmm. Um, it, once we're successful, we show that it really works uh, and that you can innovate mining through this way. Our hosting partner is ready to scale up with us. They've bought this huge facility in Iowa and we really could fill it up. So mm. we could do future seasons that are totally separate from the first season where we just do more of the same, buy miners. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very, very exciting. And it's not just the mining. Mining is just the foundation. We also have our treasury. Uh, eventually, we want a startup incubator. Um, we've always got some of the revenue compounding machines as well, which should keep us in a good, healthy machine count. There's a lot going on. And under the hood, there's a whole world behind the gophers. So every gopher has a name. Every gopher has a location. There's different professions. And we have law that was, well, we had counsel from a published fantasy author. 
to help us write it. So it's actually really interesting. You can read it on our website. It's like a mini little book within, within the website. I'm going to come back to law in a minute because I think we touched upon something uh, just now and then we moved on to sort of law. Um, but it's an idea where there, there seems to be a lot of opportunity here. And there seems to be a case whereby if mining goes well, then the holders of those gophers will essentially be, I suppose, quids in, right? They'll they'll end up coming away with assets or, or a decent amount of money. And that's for anyone, everybody's benefit. The difficult question here is, and, and I put this on paper, so we, I suppose you could have a good think about it, because in the world of crypto at the moment, everything's unregulated. And you're asking people to invest in something on the basis that you are going to be looking after their money or their digital assets for them. So how can you maintain trust or how can you gain trust uh, with people? Yeah, good question. Um, so that's something we've thought about a lot because um, particularly in Cardano, there's been so many rug pulls, which is where an NFT project promises all this stuff. They get the money and just run gone. It's happened so much in NFTs. So incredibly, been... uh, so often, exactly right, all the time, rug pulls, rug pulls. So I guess how how can you sort of make sure that people are comfortable to invest in gophers given the history of rug pulls, etc. Yeah, well, I think number one, you can tell how much the team cares. If you look at any aspect of our project, the art, the mind paper, the YouTube channel, everything is done with a lot of effort. So we it shows that we care too much to do anything silly. Um, but also before we even launched a single social media, before Twitter, before anything, uh, we were getting legal counsel. Um, so we knew we had this idea and we wanted to do that, but we didn't know how to structure it really or the legal implications. So we've been meeting with lots of different legal firms to find the right fit. Um, and before we even sold a single gopher, we were legally incorporated, which I haven't seen any other project do really. Um, so we're set up in Cyprus. We're working with a legal firm that's done some of the biggest NFT projects that do rewards like us. Um, so we're set up well there. Um, and as regulation comes, we're fully compliant now. We've got detailed terms and conditions on our website. But as more regulation comes, we have the perfect legal firm to set us up for that regulation. Um, so we're in a very, very good pos position there. Um, and then also yeah. building trust. We've done a lot of interviews, probably 30 or more, all face to face. Um, so everyone has quite a personal connection with the team. Um, we're all fully docs, which is when you like release your pictures, show what you look like. Um, so yeah, we've built some so good trust. And also, one last thing, uh, we've also had the pre-sale and we've shown that we're actually doing it. So we have a bot in our Discord that says how many coins we've mined each day. Um, so people can mm. see that we're actually doing it. Uh, they, they've met our partners as well through our YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, we're, we're developing Kingdom Connect which is going to be a big dashboard that says in real time, this is how many coins we've mined. This was the electricity cost this day. This is the net profit. This much is going to treasury. This much is going to holders. This much is going on buying more machines. So, that so it's about transparency, I guess. It's about you wanting to be as transparent as you can. And I guess that you recognize that there is an issue around trust and regulations. But you are, from what I'm hearing is you're doing everything you can um, subject to those regulations. Yes, exactly. Okay, I, I suppose you'll be publishing, uh, and I think you, you may have said this, so apologies to sort of cover it again, but it, you'll be publishing um, profitability, assets, liabilities, um, and will that be an automated thing? I mean, I appreciate that you said originally that you wanted this to be utterly decentralized. So will it just be a sense of, of, of sort of smart contracts automating everything and then these figures and, uh, you know, assets and liabilities automatically being published? I mean, is, is that something that's of, of interest? Yeah, yeah. So we've thought about that. So in Cyprus, where we're set up, you have 18 months for incorporation before you have to submit accounts. Um, and we've been talking to this tax firm, this, these accountants that did exactly what you just said. So it scrapes all of your wallets and automatically yeah. calculates all the numbers, which is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, we'll like to use a platform like that. Yeah, I think that would help because, you know, certainly if I was going to invest, that would be one of the, the main concerns. Um, so 
I suppose it just depends on how you want to come across to the world. And that, to some extent, brings us to our next point, because when you and I sort of sat down to talk about this, this interview or this podcast and chatting about the project, one thing that stood out to me was all of the lore, the concept art around goofy gophers, why you've chosen the word gophers. So if anybody goes into the website and it's ggmc.io, you can see the project and, and essentially everything laid out. And what it appears to me is that it's it's a project which is designed like an old video game, like a 16-bit color video game uh, with gophers doing all sorts of stuff. There's wizards and oracles and royals. And why have you chosen to do it like that? What do they all mean? And I suppose in a follow-up question, which may seem a bit unfair, but how how can, when you've got cartoons like that, you have institutional investors? Or do you not want institutional investors? What's the dichotomy there? And, and how do you attract, I suppose, buyers for those gophers? Oh, we definitely don't want institutional investors. Um, it's not a traditional company. Uh, we want as many just regular, normal people to get involved with the project and mining as possible so that it's truly decentralized rather than just dominated by a few institutions or really rich people. The, the more holders we have, the better. Um, and it makes everything a lot fairer, more decentralized. Um, but yeah, what you just said is the vibe that we're going for, sort of 90s, nostalgic with that pixel art, make people feel like kids again. Um, because I know it's it's silly, it's gophers, it's like uh, pixelated gophers. But investing and getting access to crypto doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be looking at charts all day, worrying about, oh, I'm paying this much electricity for miners. It can be a fun gamified experience. And that's why we've created it, to make it as fun as possible, as easy as possible for people to get involved. Um, and the pixel art specifically, we talked to a huge number of artists and we tried some different styles. So we tried 3D models, which are becoming popular mm. with NFTs. Wasn't the right sort of vibe. Uh, we yeah. did like basic cartoon style, like doodles. That looked better. Yeah. Um, but we knew pixel art was would work better. Uh, so we we contacted a lot of pixel artists. We were like, yeah, okay, we want this goofy gopher. Most of it was very, very bad. But then we found an artist in Brazil called Gustavo, who was just incredible. He produced these concepts for us. Um, mm. And it's, it's amazing because pixel art is obviously, it looks simple, but it's not. It's the opposite. There's a lot of depth. There's perspective because the gopher's turning to the left. There's shading and shadows, and it produces a really, really cool effect. Um, and then as for the law, yeah, we worked with a published fantasy author. Uh, he wants to be anonymous, but it's really, really cool. And that was, he kind of built, helped us build the world around everything. So in a nutshell, not to get too deep, if you want to get deep, look at the website. But it's set on Earth. There was nuclear war, so the only life that is still there are the animals that could dig underground. So that's what gophers did, right. they dig, and that's where the mining comes into it. Um, and then these nuclear toxins mixed with minerals underground to make this new resource called gopherite. Um, a gopher interacts with the gopherite, and it makes them sentient and intelligent. So then they come back up to the surface, gives them different powers. That's why we have some that are oracles, some that are wizards. Um, and then they essentially have a human-like society that's now in the medieval era. Um, so it's it's fantasy medieval. It's kind of like Game of Thrones vibe, The Witcher, Lord of the Rings, that sort of thing. I suppose then it's about, and you referred to this earlier, right? It's actually quite a serious engineering, robotics, technical thing that you're doing. But I suppose you're making it accessible by layering it with... Um, I think what you term nostalgic sort of gamification. It's still an NFT at the end of the day. So although we've got that great utility doing all these different things, it's still important to have likable, cute artwork uh, that people like. And people really, really like the artwork. So I think we've done quite well with generating them. Yeah, so it's about, I suppose, to some extent, um, appealing to the individual. And I think you started by making... Uh, a decent bold statement by saying you're not interested in the corporates and that's absolutely fair enough you're interested in the individuals potentially gamers potentially people who are interested in sort of the fantasy world and 
to some extent bringing them into something that is quite serious. Yes, exactly. And uh, if your listeners haven't seen NFTs that much, it's actually very cool how it works. So we had all these different weapons made, swords, staffs, different hats, and then the algorithm that we made. And it took months, by the way, to get a good distribution. Mm. So now every single asset has a count. So if you go onto Flipper, the marketplace, Mm. you can filter, let's say you get a rare wizard's hat you can filter and see all the ones with that hat and you can see the percentage drop rate so it's like a pokemon card you get really rare ones really common ones and that's where people get really into trading them is it a case whereby then that and i suppose the to some extent the corporate world isn't used to seeing things like this right sort of 16-bit video game style nostalgic um, imagery put over things that are quite serious is it a case therefore that people should get used to this style and actually it is very serious it's just a new way of doing things and it's not simply um something to turn your nose up at just because it's sort of cartoons actually it's very serious and i suppose investors and everyone else just needs to get used to it that's the style of things these days is that right yeah 100% nfts are here to say they're a huge innovation Um, There's so much going on with NFTs. I see it every day. Some of the most creative people in the world Mm. are going all in. Even Zuckerberg is creating NFTs, metaverses. It's incredible. Um, I saw one NFT project that bought a League Two football team and the holders vote on which players to buy. It's incredible, the tech and everything going on. Um, So, yeah, people should definitely get used to it. You wouldn't think a football club would be owned by an NFT project. I haven't actually seen their artwork, but I assume it's something quite silly and fun as well. I guess it's all just fractional ownership, right? But of course, having the right to do something in a document isn't as exciting as having uh, a picture with those rights as well. But at least you can show your friends and at least look at an image or, or some imagery that is quite cool. So I guess it's something that we all just need to get used to in the NFT world. And it may develop over time, but ultimately there will be sort of a, a cartoonification, if that's a proper word, of these projects and of, of these tokens. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about how um, the treasury works? Because people, I, I suppose people have bought gophers, right? And they want to know how much of the profit is going to be distributed to them in the same way that sort of dividends work. Like, how does it, how does the treasury work? Do you have a voting right? Are you considering being a DAO? Is it all on you? Are you the decision maker? How does it work? It's not all on me. Yeah, it's essentially a DAO. So after the six month compounding period, 40% goes to the staked holders, 20% goes on more machines, and then 20% is going to the treasury. Uh, and the rest, the, the rest of the 20% goes to project development. So just costs, other projects. Um, but yeah, so the treasury is essentially a DAO, but different to any DAO that I've ever seen, it has a revenue source feeding it. So it's not a pyramid. There's no reliance on new people coming in. It should be self-sustaining, which is really, really exciting. So we have the mining as that foundation that we put a lot of work into this year. But over the long term, it's all going to be about this treasury. Um, So we can do so many different things. We can buy and sell other NFTs. So, of course, we thoroughly research them and we probably only get into ones with real world utility like ours. So, for example, there's one on Cardano coming out soon where they're they're fractionalizing whiskey casks, rare whiskey, and then doing something similar to us. And that made me look into whiskey more. Whiskey goes up about 20% a year if you get the right one in a bear market, which is incredible. So we maybe get some of that for a bear market hedge. Uh, we do things like crypto trading bots, whether we build that in-house or get one off the shelf. Um, you can now invest in real estate through crypto, so we definitely want to do that. We could set up a Cardano staking pool, um, which is similar to mining, but now it's on Cardano. Um, We could do things like give exchanges liquidity. So we're going to be mining all these different coins in large quantities. You can normally give these to exchanges so that they can uh, function and you then get the coin back plus interest. So that's something we can look at as well. There's so much potential here. And yeah, it's not just me or the team controlling it. 
any holder can come with, with us to us with their ideas. We'll then thoroughly research it, we'll do a risk assessment and then we'll write a formal proposal. Once that proposal is live, it's an on-chain vote to uh, for holders. So if you hold a gopher, you get usually one vote. Some of the rarer gophers yeah. like royals, they do get more votes. So it's community involvement. They have a big say on the future of the project. And everything's on chain, by the way, which is an important distinction for NFTs, because a lot of the early NFTs did interplanetary file system, which is a, is this middleman. Um, we're one of the first big on chain NFTs on Cardano, which means the, the image is stored on the blockchain itself. All of the metadata, like the gopher's name, uh, what it's holding is all on Cardano, which makes it way faster, way more reliable and no middleman. So the Treasury is essentially going to allow gopher holders to vote and propose in the same way that you would have a DAO, a diversification of, I suppose, your portfolio in, in sort of corporate speak. Yes, exactly that. And for internal projects as well, if you want to do something like, um, let's say, go have a booth at Cardano NFT Con, it would go through there as a vote. Mm -hmm. If we wanted to build a game or something or release some merch, it would all go through there and holders would always benefit. Okay. Uh, and I suppose the mining is the fundamental part of it, but it may well be in the future that it doesn't become part of it anymore. I suppose you're at the very start, uh, early start of the, of the journey, but... Um, I suppose it's, as you say, the mining is sort of the, the equivalent of the whiskey barrel and you're just sort of, or the, or the real estate. It's just that your chosen asset in which to tokenize, in this case, by gophers is, is mining. Exactly. So mining is the foundation. And then this treasury allows us to get so much wider with the end goal of a single gopher being the best, most fun and easiest way to get diversified exposure to all the different things going on in crypto. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going to ask you some more general questions now because you are very knowledgeable on all of this sort of stuff. So it'll be, it'll be useful to just sort of have some questions uh, uh, answered by you. So I was just what are the benefits? Should we, should we say about the different professions? Oh, yeah, let's do that in, in terms of the wizards and the oracles and all of that. Yeah, let's do it. Go on. So talk me through, I suppose, three of the more interesting ones. And I, you can choose which ones they are. Okay, yeah, definitely. So if uh, people want to get a really good overview of the professions, just go to our website on Mind Paper. It's got all the details, the quantities there. But effectively, when you mint a gopher, it's random which one you get. So we've got the more common ones, wizards, warriors, miners, uh, and then we've got the rarer ones. So for example, thieves, thieves are a fun one. So there's 400 thieves, and it's random which thieves get the payout. So Let's say we have X amount as the base mining payout, Y amount for the base treasury. That's going to 400 thieves, but only 50 of them get it. So the 50 thieves that are successful when it's a random algorithm get times four um, the, from, the, from the standard payout. Uh, Oracle's quite similar. They submit a prediction for the following quarter, something arbitrary like the price of Cardano, the amount of Bitcoin mined, things of that nature. And then the closest three get all of the payout. So they get a huge payout. Uh, then we've got merchants and they get some of the secondary market royalties. So if someone sells a gopher for $1,000, we get $100, 10% royalty. 50 of that will go to merchants. So they get to experience that. And then I know you said three, but royals are the rarest. There's only 99 and they get a tax on all the other professions payout. But as you say, it's it's random, right? So you could end up buying loads of these and end up not getting any of the rare ones. That's just the luck of the draw. So in, in that respect, it's it's to some extent an uncertain investment because you just never know. But I suppose, as you say, it's the way with Pokemon cards, right? I remember opening them and sometimes you'd get you know, a load of weevils or whatever, the, you know, something that wasn't particularly exciting. And then uh, mate yours would buy one pack and get something amazing in. So it is, that's part of the fun, right? That's part of the draw. Yes, definitely. But even the most common ones, still much more valuable than uh, when we sold them. They've gone up a lot, about 6x. 
uh, and they all do things so they're all fun they all do slightly different things um but if you wanted to buy one specifically if you really wanted a royal you can just buy one but obviously okay. if you're if it's on secondary they're going to be priced a lot higher so you can't buy direct from you a specific gopher you, you have, have to buy it on the secondary market market. yeah that's the right. thrill okay. That's the thrill of it. I, I I get it. It's certainly if I was an investor, I'd try and come to you and go, I want one of these specific kinds. And you're going, look, that's not part of the project. Good luck, but you know, you've got to you gotta just go for it. Okay. I think it's worth I think it's worth going through some some general concepts with you purely because as I say, you come across very knowledgeable and you seem to to really have um a, a, an understanding of this that um few do. So what do you think the benefits are of crypto generally? Where do you see it all going? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's a really, really big question. So it depends on the coin, really. So you've got the older ones like Bitcoin, Bitcoin's king, number one, probably always will be. Uh, you can't have apps on Bitcoin, but it's an excellent digital store of value. So it's essentially digital gold, except you can transfer it to someone on the other side of the world instantly. Uh, you don't have to store it or anything. And it does this store of value perfectly. It's never been hacked. It's never gone down. It's been very foolproof. So that's what coins like Bitcoin, Litecoin do. Um, but now we also have layer one solutions. So it's a similar concept. It's still a blockchain. But rather than just that store of value, you can also have dApps, decentralized apps on them. So the idea with most of these ecosystems is to have lots of developers building products like on Cardano this project uh, and the overall goal for most of them is to decentralize everything the internet banking no middleman in really any industry I even saw one recently for insurance which was a really really interesting product um, but yeah there's there's a lot of use cases for crypto right now um, like banking the unbanked so way more people in third world countries have a mobile phone than a bank account to, yeah. to set up a crypto wallet all you need is a mobile phone so therefore you can bank the unbanked which is a huge use case right now um, and then going forward I actually think crypto has a long way to go so the underlying blockchain technology is incredible always has been and it is now but the industry around the blockchain is very very basic it's not sophisticated at all um, we just saw ftx no legal team no regulation um, it's it's very poor governance at the moment but then you, you do have some doing it right like coinbase it's been excellent from the start they still are um, but I think scandals like FTX are going to bring a lot of regulation. But over the long term, that's a good thing. There are trillions of dollars waiting to enter crypto. A lot of the smartest people in the world are building on crypto. It's a really, really exciting uh, time for it. I think mass adoption will come eventually, but it's going to be a while, especially with this bear market. Um, I can see one industry being really redefined in the recent future uh, will be gaming because if you played many games it's very stagnant there's no innovation it hasn't really changed the graphics are better but it's just a mess like Fortnite, you you play it and you pay twenty dollars for some skin and then great you own the skin can't trade it if that was all nfts then you own the value not the company so now you can trade it now it has yeah. rarity you know how many people have it you can make it limited um, and I know GTA 6, which is one of the going to be one of the biggest games ever, is going to have a full in-game crypto economy. So I do think that will start to take off. And then gaming will probably transition into metaverses, which 90% of NFT projects say they're building a metaverse. So I think, that, you know, with the pandemic, everyone's spending so much time at home on devices. It just makes sense to make these devices more immersive. Most people are looking at screens all day. Why not have a better experience? Like I think Nike have a digital shoes shop in the metaverse and it was like their top selling shop or something. It did really, really well. So I think we'll see more of that rather than scrolling Amazon in 2D, it'll be an immersive in-shop experience in the metaverse. I think you're right. There's something that you said interesting, uh, which was very interesting there, which is I think the gateway to getting into the metaverse is gaming. 
And that's got to be right because there's got to be a draw for people to go in. I saw or read about the failure of, of Facebook's metaverse and how, you know, a handful of people turned up and no one really cared, but there's got to be a draw. I know this sort of falls out of the remit of what we're talking about today, but I think that's probably bang on, that gaming is probably the way into it all, to the point where we get some sort of San Junipero, Black Mirror style uh, experience, which uh, probably isn't that far away. Yeah, what a great episode that is. Yeah, yeah, I agree, because gaming already is going that way. You have VR, like especially on PlayStation, you have a lot of VR games. It makes sense that it's going to just become a metaverse and they're going to link. And then, as you say, it's a lot more appealing. There's a draw now to get into it. So I think and, and the, that the last question, really, or one of the last questions, what type of cases will succeed? But I guess you've sort of answered that in terms of it may well be that um, gaming is, is essentially the, 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 the use case, or at least NFTs and a marketplace where it's not rigid, i.e. where you are able to take digital assets from a game and trade them in the wider world. Is that, a, is that probably your, your best use case for, for, for digital, digital assets? assets or? That will be one of the first use cases, I think, because if you look at a game like Skyrim, people mm. have spent 10,000 hours in Skyrim and it's only been out 10 years. That means in the last 10 years, people have spent one year in the game um, and it's a complete 2d experience just looking at a screen yes. it makes sense for the game company to connect much better with these people that are so dedicated to their game with nfts so you hold it and then you can vote on the direction of the game decentralize it so companies can't ruin things and then yeah after gaming just decentralize more things and i think it will really snowball and start to take off um, like I said, like most of the smartest people in the world are going all in on crypto. Zuckerberg, Brian Armstrong, um, I think Musk as well does uh, some stuff. So when is the Goofy Gophers game going to come out then? <laughs> well, we don't have a game in development yet. Our focus is on the mining and the treasury and all the other features we're going to have. Uh, then after that, after the treasury, we want it to transform more into a startup incubator. So not only will be fostering innovation in crypto and NFTs, but we can also take early positions in high potential projects so that our community can benefit from it as well. Um, I think then once we've really delivered on all aspects of our roadmap, then we could explore things like maybe making a game or releasing merch, things of that nature. So you've already answered the last question, which was how is Goofy Gophers going and where do you see it going in the long term? I think you've answered the second part of that already, but how is it going at the moment? I, I heard that you've, you've, you've sold um, a number of them. Um, What's sort of the next six months look like for you? Yeah, good question. So we did the pre-sale in October as a test, test all the systems out, show that we're actually going to deliver. So we sold a thousand gophers in the pre-sale. They sold out within two hours. So there's a lot of demand for what we're doing because this is the 1% of NFTs that actually do something. Most NFTs that are just building another metaverse have some native internal token. They're not going to be here in 10 years, but ones with real world utility like this will be. Um, so we're seeing a lot of hype, a lot of word of mouth doing interviews like this as well has been great. Um, so we've now got 3,500 people in the Discord, 3,000 on Twitter. So we've come a long way um, in the last eight months or so that we've been marketing, but we've got a long way to go as well. I think we're going to get much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, within the next couple of months, we're going to do our main sale of the remaining gophers, get the miners turned on, compound, build out that treasury, start brainstorming with our community, write some proposals, get involved in some different stuff. And then, yeah, in October, we'll hopefully have a booth at CNFT Con. Um, so we'll do some sort of fun game. And then now everyone, all the biggest people in Cardano will know of us. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be a bright future once we have that revenue source, which is very rare for an NFT project without new investors coming in. We yeah. get involved in all sorts of exciting stuff. So in terms of marketing, then you're, you're I suppose, doing it from the inside you're 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 not sort of spending money on seo well maybe you are but actually you're speaking to people already in the industry to get them excited about it you're not going to 
the man on the high street and saying, hey, buy a gopher so you can mine some crypto assets. You're, I suppose you're, you're sort of going to places where people already know the value of this. Yes, exactly. So a lot of our marketing has been targeted on Cardano already. So we've done like fun games and competitions with other big projects. Uh, we've always got things going on in our Discord. We've got a whitelist as well. So our most active community members can buy a go for 24 hours early. Um, and then they get guaranteed that cheaper price from the phase one of the main sale. Um, so yeah, it, it has been mainly internal. We've also been trying to work for some projects on other chains, um, maybe Solana. And long term, I do think the future is cross-chain. So we're not going to be all internal on Cardano, but for Treasury, we'll be looking at NFTs from all trade from all chains, for example. No, that's brilliant because <clears throat> I think it'll be very difficult. And I think it's something that you said before. You know, we're not appealing to the corporate world. We're not appealing to the everyday man, there's a specific target audience for this project. Um, so that really does make a lot of sense. Um, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I think you've described the project really well. Um, again, the website is uh, ggmc.io where you can read a little bit more about the project. And hopefully we can catch up and do another one of these in, a, in uh, six months a year, whatever it is, and you'll have a, uh, more of a story to tell on, on the journey of this project. Oh, I'd absolutely love that, Matt. We should definitely do that. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. As I said, great professional experience. It was worth getting up early for. <laughs> this podcast does not contain any financial or legal advice, and you should not seek to rely on it as such. Opinions are the individual's own. This podcast was produced and edited by Joe Hawkins and music by Luke Carey. Thank you for listening and see you next time.